Blog Talk Radio. Listening to PGN. This is Secrets Revealed. Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. I am your Book of Revelation research scientist. It is May 18th of 2023, and today we have analysis and discussion of the 144,000 first fruits prophecy in chapter 14 of the Book of Revelation. You can text in your questions or your comments about the book of Revelation to our PGN text number. That's one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. You can do that during the live internet broadcast or you can do it at any other time. So again, if you have questions or comments you'd like to share about the book of Revelation, I'm excited to receive your questions and comments and to respond uh, on a future broadcast. Again, our PGN text number is one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. Let's get to it. So, what is the one hundred forty-four thousand first fruits prophecy? This is the prophecy that appears in Revelation chapter fourteen, verses one to five. It's the moving pictures in words. In other words, it's the vision that John the Revelator was shown when he was caught up to heaven. In Revelation chapter 4, John reports that one of two experiences that he had, which included an experience where he was provided with, uh, he had an experience with Jesus Christ, And he received verbatim words to share with uh, each of the seven churches that existed at that time on the earth. He talks about uh, that first experience beginning with uh, verse 9 of chapter 1, and it continues through the end of chapter 3. Then in Revelation chapter 4, we have something new. A second experience from John the Revelator, and he begins with this. Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. So he's saying before because he describes to us, the readers of the book of Revelation, his first experience uh, beginning with verse 9 of Revelation chapter 1 And then now here, beginning with verse 1 of Revelation chapter 4, we have a report of his second experience. Now, chapter 4 is John's report on heaven, exactly what he saw when he was caught up to heaven. And then, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 5, all the way to verse 5 of chapter 22, so The bulk of the book of Revelation, more than 
80% of the book of Revelation is about this second experience that John had when he was caught up to heaven. So verse 1 of chapter 4 begins with, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. So that's Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. John the Revelator is in heaven. And the voice speaking to him was the voice of Jesus Christ. And after he reports what he saw when he was caught up to heaven, he then shares the visions that he was shown. So these weren't visions that he caused uh, himself to experience. For example, sometimes we have a dream at night. The dream can be a God dream. Or the Bible says that there are dreams that we cause ourselves to have. If you take that same thinking, there are visions that are God visions. And then there may be visions that an individual causes himself or herself to have. But in this case, John the Revelator was shown visions that were created by an omniscient God. And an angel was tasked with showing John these visions. And what are, what are visions? Moving pictures. And so in the book of Revelation, John has shared the moving pictures pictures in words that he was shown today when we see moving pictures uh we go to the movies now of course uh jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever so people are still having god visions but you understand that when there's a vision that has been created by someone other than yourself and you're watching it it's like watching a movie. And so uh, what John the Revelator was shown was not just any vision or movie. He was shown realities about the future, realities that exist in our present and in our future. So the book of Revelation was written about 2,000 years ago. And so these future events are happening now, and many are very shortly to come. So how does this relate to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy, which we're getting to? John the Revelator was shown by my analysis 12 visions all in a row. And he documents for us, the readers of the book of Revelation, in words, the visions that he was shown, the first 
vision he was shown is the seven seals prophecy. The second is the seven trumpets prophecy. The third is the 1,260 days prophecy. The fourth is the 666 antichrist prophecy. And now we are here at Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 to 5 includes the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. The number 144,000 appears three times in the book of Revelation, one time in the seven seals prophecy, which begins with verse 1 of chapter 5 and ends with verse 1 of chapter 8. Then we have the second, the seven trumpets prophecy that goes from verse 2 of chapter 8 to the end of chapter 11. Then we have the 1,260 days prophecy, chapter 12 in its entirety. Chapter 13 in its entirety is the 666 Antichrist prophecy. And now here we are at Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. Let's hear the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. This is the third time that this number appears in the book of Revelation in the seven seals prophecy. In Revelation chapter 7, we're told that... The angels who have been empowered to harm the land and the sea and the trees must wait until 144,000 have been sealed with the mark of God placed on their forehead. And then we're told, that the 144,000 includes 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Sibian, and it goes on like that. There are 12 tribes of Israel, and it's noted that precisely, specifically, exactly 12,000 from each tribe receives the mark of God on their foreheads, and this is a protection. This identifies them as children of God, and it transitions them, I believe, from mortality to immortality. You say, well, how, how do you, why, where do you get that from? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, and in Revelation Chapter 22, verse 4, we're told that all who are victorious will have the mark of God on their forehead, which is the name, the new name of Jesus Christ and the name of the city that descends from present heaven onto the new earth. That's the new Jerusalem. And that every member of the royal race on the new earth will have the mark of God on his or her forehead. Well, what does it mean to be a member of the royal race? It means to have inherited eternal life. It means uh, an individual's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It means that an individual is among the wheat and not the tares, that the person is a sheep and not a goat. A person is among the bad, the good fish and not the bad fish. It means that the person has transitioned from mortality to immortality and will rule and reign with Jesus Christ on this present earth for the first thousand years of his 
government and continue to rule and reign with Jesus Christ beyond the first thousand years, which include habiting or inhabiting the present earth, and then we transition to the new earth. So these 144,000 are part of the harvest. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, we hear that when Jesus Christ returns, he comes from the clouds, and he brings with him all disembodied spirits, who have been living with him in present heaven, and they put on their new peak performance body. And really, it's a restored body. It's a body with no DNA errors. It's a body like the one Jesus Christ inhabited when he rose from the dead and then subsequently ascended to heaven. So it's a body that will allow a person to live forever and ever throughout all time and beyond time. So what's beyond time? The eternities of eternities. In Romans chapter 11, it says, verse 25, Paul is talking to us and says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. So Romans is all about what does it mean to be a child of God? And the reality that the old covenant has been replaced by the new covenant, yet there are those who are destined to become members of the royal race, but they have hardened hearts. They have not received Jesus Christ. Now, how long will this last? When will the final part of the harvest come in? In other words, those who are in Israel, an actual physical location, so not those who are in the United States of America or those who are in uh, Switzerland, or those who are in South Africa, or those who are in Ireland, uh, all wonderful places, and places where there are believers who will transition from mortality to immortality. But right now, we're talking about not the Gentiles. We're talking about the Jews, as noted in Revelation chapter 7, and here in Romans chapter 11. It says, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts. In other words, they have not received Jesus Christ. They are following the old covenant, though it has been replaced with the new covenant. It says, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. In other words, when the last person finds and follows God's plan for salvation in chronological time, the last person whose name is included in the Lamb's Book of Life and who will participate in the first resurrection described in Revelation, excuse me, described in First Thessalonians chapter 4. That's the full number of Gentiles. It says, and so all Israel will be saved. What does that mean? 
To be saved is to have one's name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, to experience uh, salvation, to have acquired what is necessary to be in right standing with God, to repent of one's sins and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So it says, and so all Israel will be saved. Let's fast forward to the take-home point. When specifically will all Israel be saved? All Israel will be saved when Jesus Christ returns as the lion of the tribe of Judah to fight and win the battle of Armageddon, described in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. It says in Revelation 19, the battle of Armageddon is a war waged in righteousness. Jesus Christ will descend from the clouds on a white horse. And he will be followed by the armies of heaven, also on white horses, and invited to the battle of Armageddon are those who have participated in the first resurrection. And we will be wearing a special outfit is white and linen. And the reasons for uh, why the outfit is white and why it's linen are described. The first resurrection is the marriage of the lamb. The battle of Armageddon is the marriage supper. Now, Let's revisit this question and get it answered. When precisely will all Israel be saved? So in Romans chapter 11, it says that it will happen after the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And in Revelation chapter 7, we have a description of when it happens and the mark of God is placed on their forehead. And this is before the battle of Armageddon, before the angels empowered to harm the land and the sea and the trees commence those activities. Now, why on earth would an angel of God be empowered to harm the land, the sea, and the trees? And the answer to that question is, The war waged in righteousness, the battle of Armageddon, is the culmination of the seven final plagues described in Revelation 15 and 16. And the enemies of God, the enemies of God, they will face a judgment. And that judgment is described in Revelation chapter 19, as well as Revelation chapter 17 and 18, the purple and scarlet prophecy. But before the battle of Armageddon is fought, and after the marriage supper of the Lamb, all Israel will be saved. That's the 144,000. And it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved, as the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. And in Revelation chapter 7, we hear about how these 144,000 received the mark of God on their forehead. Now here in Revelation chapter 14, we hear the destiny of the final part of the harvest. The 144,000, it says, 
Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins, following the Lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. So that is the story of the 144,000. So we hear about how they transition from mortality to immortality so that they can be uh, ready for the Battle of Armageddon. But ultimately, what happens? Well, one of the things that happens is that they stand before the throne of God, and they learn a special song. And the only individuals who participate in singing that special song, a wonderful new song, are those who were there in Israel believing for their Messiah to return, those who have been participating in Ceremonies where the ashes of the tenth red heifer have been used to honor God. They stay in Israel despite the armies of the Antichrist. The armies of the world led by the Antichrist will traverse the dried path of the Euphrates River. One of the seven final plagues is that the Euphrates River will be dried up supernaturally for the purpose of allowing the armies of the world, the enemies of God, to approach and enter the exact location where the war waged in righteousness, the Battle of Armageddon, will be fought. And in Zechariah, we hear a description of how on that day, the weakest the weakest among those in Israel will be as strong as David. So you might say, how is it that the weakest among them can be as strong as David when they transition from mortality to immortality? They will become as strong as David. Now let me see if I can find in Zechariah. Zechariah chapters 12, 13, and 14 have a description of the events that follow the sealing of the 144,000, the events of the battle of Armageddon. It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, 
On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. And it says in verse 5 of Zechariah chapter 12, And the clans of Judah will say to themselves, The people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of heaven's armies, their God. And it says here, In verse 8, on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. What's that day? It's the day of the battle of Armageddon. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God, like the angel of the Lord who goes before them. How will they be like God? Because they will have transitioned from mortality to immortality and the evidence that they are victorious and have participated in the harvest is the mark of God on their foreheads, as described in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, and Revelation chapter 22, verse 4. Now, the 144,000 are only one group that participate in the harvest. You say, well, what are the other two groups? Every believer who died in Christ is the first part of the harvest, and they will come back with Jesus Christ, and they will put on their peak performance bodies, their immortal, glorified, perfected bodies that rise from the grave, their reconstituted, restored bodies, their forever bodies. And those of us who are here on the earth at the time of the second coming, we will transition in the blink of an eye from mortality to immortality. And of course, as we've been discussing today, the 144,000, all Israel, every person who is a biological Jew who has been following the old covenant, who has been subjected to 1,260 days of tribulation and remained in Israel because they believe that that lamb promised to their forefather Abraham is their land and that their God intends for them to be there. And when it appears that they are down for the count and they're crying out to Jesus Christ, they don't know it's Jesus Christ, they're crying out for their Messiah, he returns, and as described in Zechariah 12, 13, and 14, they will receive him, and they will mourn when they realize we pierced him, but he will save them, and the weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. Friend, I hope this has been exciting and interesting for you. We're going to continue our discussion and analysis of the 144,000 this Sunday at 12 p.m. Texas time, that's 1 p.m. Eastern time. Until next time, if you haven't done so already today, I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 33:3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.